This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Kim. And for this season, I want to break down the Euros. Not not really break down the Euros, but talk about the Euros, but specifically talk about the host cities of the Euros. And the reason why I'm doing it is doing this is because it's the first time in UEFA's history or in the Euros history that it is no longer host country, but is a host cities. But that being said, last Euro, it was hosted by France. So the entire games, all the different games were happening all throughout France. But when you think about it, that's a, a crazy logistical nightmare for one country to handle. But if you split that into X amount of different cities, it becomes more manageable. And also, you're in Europe, so it's easy to travel within Europe. So that being said, for this season, it will be 11 episodes, each episode dedicated to every venue. And every venue, I want to discover or explore the culture of the city and the country and how those cultures might influence their footballing style. But I also want to talk about the venues, the significance of the stadiums of every country. Some stadiums may not carry that much meaning, but other stadiums do carry deeper meaning, like Wembley is a great example. And that being said, I think it's also appropriate right now to mention what are those host cities. So those host cities are London, Rome, Munich, Baku, and Azerbaijan, for those who don't know, St. Petersburg, Budapest, Sevilla, Bucharest, Amsterdam, Glasgow, and Copenhagen. So those are the host cities. Some of these some of these uh, cities, they'll stand out like London, Rome, and Munich. If you're a soccer fan, you know, those cities are quite self-explanatory. So same with Amsterdam and Glasgow. But for, uh, for the structure of every episode, what I'll do is I'll introduce the city, talk about the culture of the city or cultural aspect or philosophy that is uh, that you could find in this country or city. Talk about the big games I've watched, talk about the venue, and then I'll close it off with my thoughts on all of it, I guess, of this episode. That being said, I want to talk about Denmark and Copenhagen. And one of those main reasons is because a major, a scary thing happened over the weekend with to Christian Eriksen, and I'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about Copenhagen. Let's introduce Denmark. I was about to say Scotland. That's the next episode. When you think of Denmark, a lot of different images are conjured in your mind. Vikings, blonde people, good beer, great at winter sports, socially progressive laws and policies, uh, and a thriving food scene. For many, Copenhagen might be hipster heaven because of all the things I just listed, which it would be. For foodies and Anthony Bourdain fans, all they will think about is Chef Rene Redzepi and his world-famous restaurant Noma, which uses a lot of fermentation and a lot of like they, they they manipulate chemistry when it comes to cooking. It's very fascinating. I've never been to any Nordic countries in my life. I never the closest to a Nordic country Nordic country I've been to was Scotland, but that's a for the most northern European country I've ever visited. But I have met Scandinavian people like Swedish, Danes, and well, Swedish and Danes in particular. And what I've noticed with them is, I mean, I don't mean to generalize, but what I did notice is that they are, they're really friendly. They're really lovely, easy to talk to, really smart. But also, they have a really dry and sarcastic sense of humor that if you come from a country where dry and sarcastic humor is not really a thing in your culture, 
you, <laughs> then you might like just take everything they say seriously because yeah, they they do get kind of dry. And if you want a good idea of what dry sense of humor is like, then definitely check out the British Office. The British Office is all dry and sarcastic. It's so much. <laughs> But when I did more research about Denmark and Copenhagen or even just Scandinavia as a whole, there's this thing that keeps coming up and I, I find this really fascinating. It's it's um the unwritten rules or unwritten law of Yante or Yante law, which are it's like this old Danish cultural thing that's been in their country forever and it's sort of like their mode of conduct in life. As a matter of fact, Denmark is ranked as the happiest country in the world, so or it's it's either the happiest or among the happiest countries in the world. And a lot of Danes would attribute the happiness with the 10 rules of Yante. So what are the 10 rules or the 10 laws? <laughs> and you might be a little shocked at what I'm about to say. All right. So first one, you're not to think that you are special. You're not special. You're not to think that you are as good as we are. So you're not as good as anyone else. You're not to think or you're not better, rather. You're not to think you are smarter than we are. When they say we, they I guess they mean like you among the general population. You're not to convince yourself that you are better than we are. You're not to think you know more than we do. You're not to think you are more important than we are. You're not to think you're good at anything. <laughs> oh, wow. You're not to laugh at us. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're not to think anyone cares about you. And you're not to think you could teach us anything. Um, <laughs> I, I laugh because it's kind of like, it, it's, it's very direct and straight up. But when you dig more and you listen to Danish people explain it, it's not like, it's not in the English thinking way of imposing rules. Because in the English speaking world, we tend to apply our laws as like, with the strict punishment, very Roman, which is you do this, you get that, you get this punishment. Don't do this, don't do that with like an iron fist. But but these rules are social rules and what they are trying to say uh, from the interviews I've watched and the articles I've read, it's, it's a humility practice. You keep practicing, practicing to control your ego or to minimize your ego. You don't let your pride get in the way of true happiness. What they're trying to say here is that if we work as a team and you just abandon your ego, then we can really achieve what we need to achieve as a community and move forward as a team so that we could reach the promised land, if you will, or, you know, reach our goals of happiness. That's why Denmark has all these socially progressive laws, because they understand that we are a community of people that we move together as a country, as a unit. It's easy to do that when you have a smaller population, but it doesn't change the fact that that spirit is in all the Danes. There's probably It's probably far more sophisticated and far more complex than what I just broke it down to, but from my interpretation is that you just abandon your pride and ego for a moment and you will see the happiness. You hear this in most mystical religions like Buddhism or even Hinduism. Sufi Islam you know, has this, which is you, know, you abandon your ego to reach awakening, true happiness. So when you think of the laws of Jante or Jante law, well, how does that, that doesn't seem good for sports or competition if you're telling these players that you're not good as anyone and that you not to think that you are better than anyone, then why should you compete, right? Because it is, you compete in sports because you believe in yourself to be better than the other, because you believe that you could win. So how does this work in, in, in soccer? And I, that's I always found fascinating. And some of the things that I've heard was 
how this applies to sports is so much, especially in team sports, is that there is no one individual star. The entire team is the entire team is united. We're one team. We move as a unit. So the identity of this team is not Christian Eriksen, who is the best player in Denmark right now. So the identity of this team is Denmark. Christian Eriksen might be a pivotal, is a pivotal player for Denmark's success right now in the Euros. And and but when you look at Denmark, you don't. It doesn't seem like the entire team. I mean, the, you, we could say that the entire team is built around Christian Eriksen, him being the best. But it's not about him. That's not the impression you get with Denmark. That it's gonna, it's Christian Eriksen and Co. You see that with you've seen that with Portugal in the past, where it's like Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo and friends, or with Argentina, Messi and friends. You know, I mean, some people get really upset with me, but you know what I mean. Like it's it's. With these countries, they have their one star, and it the star becomes the country, and they are the symbol of that country. But in Denmark, Christian Eriksen is not the symbol of Denmark. Denmark is a symbol of Denmark, and I think that's how the Jante Law fits into this. And speaking of Christian Eriksen, I think I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about what happened and some of the moral discussions that's, that's been had online and among pundits, which I, I'm very happy that people are having this discussion because... It is a mature and honest discussion to have when moving forward, when when filming trauma. So for those that don't know, Denmark was playing Finland in Copenhagen at Parken Stadium. This is a big game, a big deal, because it's two Nordic countries that are playing against each other. They have a lot of history in terms of not just in soccer, but also like legit history. A lot of cultural over some cultural overlap. They're neighbors, essentially. And... From the perspective of Finland, this was a very big game because Finland's not a soccer powerhouse. Denmark and Denmark and Sweden within the region of of Northern Europe, they are the powerhouses, and Finland is not that. The Finns are probably better at hockey than they are at soccer. They're, they're like the Canadians of Europe, and I guess. <laughs> but as the game was happening, it was a very competitive game. I remember watching it, being very entertained. Both teams were going at it. They were going. Both teams are attacking at full force, defending with no nonsense. It was a very exciting game to watch. Until a very random moment happened in this 42nd minute. The ball goes down on the left-hand side on Denmark's... Uh, Denmark has a possession, and the ball is kicked down towards the left-hand side on the on the finished side of the pitch. Christian Eriksen goes running for the ball, but then suddenly collapses to the floor. His head is sideways, his uh, chest is down, and it, it doesn't look good. And for that moment, because of the angle where he fell and where the cameras, where the camera is placed, the camera's directly facing and in, in, in filming Christian Eriksen. And you can see in his eyes for that moment when he was on the pitch, something's gone horribly wrong. Some, this is not right. I thought someone in the stands probably threw something and knocked him out, but it just it doesn't seem like the Finnish fans and the D- Danish fans would do such a thing. And you can see there was no other Finnish players, no other Finland players near him either. It was just him. And it, all, even his teammates weren't even looking because they just thought, okay, whatever, he's got the ball, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like Kind of like a, a normal play. But as soon as he was on the ground, you just see the captain, Simon Kajir, or Kajir running from the defensive line all the way on to Christian Eriksen. And when I saw him sprint, I knew, oh, man, this is not going well. 
I like I said, you could see in his eyes that Christian Eriksen was not entirely there, and that was very worrying and concerning and scary. And Simon Kasia, the the captain, runs in, clears his airway, clears his, uh, secures his neck, makes sure he doesn't swallow his tongue, and try to you know try to get him responsive, you know, and even started performing CPR on him, which I was just wow. Um, and immediately the the referee suspends the game immediately which was you know very professional he did the right thing he did everything that was not just expected but what any regular human being would do in his position which was stop the game let's make sure this guy's okay the danish medical team comes rushing out they're trying to um trying to help him and then at this point because it the cameras are pointing and there's fans everywhere the danish players decide to make a circle around him so that no one could film him so he, uh, Christian Eriksen could have his privacy in this moment of, you know, uh, this moment of fear for us as the fans watching, you know. And I think for me, the most shocking part where I was really starting to get a little worried was you could physically see the the medical team do CPR on Christian Eriksen. I just thought this is really not good, man. This is really scary. And they were on the pitch for at least 15, 20 minutes. That's a long time. And everyone's kind of like worried. No one knows what's happening. What's going to, you know, what do we do? And long story short, he's finally put onto the stretcher and he's finally evacuated off the stadium. The fans, Finland, Finland fans gave their flags to the, to the Danish players to cover Christian Eriksen so that he can keep his privacy. So when he's being escorted off the field, he's being escorted off covered in Finnish flags that's like symbolically speaking that's a beautiful thing to see that I mean granted we're all human so nationalism doesn't really matter at the end of the day but if you see it symbolically you can tell that there is a solidarity among northern people but at the same time I don't think it matters if that was a Finnish flag or a Moroccan flag someone would have done the same thing but seeing all this everyone's worried what happened to him is he okay and then Getty's image a photographer Getty's image was able to snap a picture of him being escorted out of the field and he was awake and he his eyes were open his head he had his hand over his head and he had a like a like a respirator on him and you're seeing all this you're like oh my god like this is for me as a soccer player I was worrying you know this guy's at the top of his shape and then he just collapses like that and then we later learned that he suffered from a heart attack or cardiac arrest in the middle of a game yeah that's scary I, I that, that has happened before to a player there is a uh, Oscar De La Red, his, his last name is De La Red. He used to play for Real Madrid. He had to retire 25 because of a similar issue. He didn't get a heart attack on the field, but the doctors detected that you could get a heart attack if you keep playing because he has some heart condition. But Christian Eriksen's 28, 29 years old. He's still in the prime of his life. So this is very shocking. And it also reminded me of what anyone who's, who's been in medical school, I haven't, but I have friends who've been in medical school, the first thing they told me what they learned in medical school is how much they appreciate life because they learn all the millions of ways that a human could get killed by or how a human can die. And their job is to try to fix those millions of different ways that a human could die or understand how that works. And when you have an understanding that your life is flim not flimsy, but... I don't want to use the word sacred, but sensitive that things could happen at a snap of the finger and it's gone... You know, you gain, you start to appreciate life and appreciate the moments you have right now. That right now you are healthy, you're fit, and you could do anything you want. You don't know if you get a heart attack, but that's not the point. The point is to enjoy what you have right now. And seeing that is a greater emphasis of 
enjoy what you have right now. But the one thing I did not like to see was watching his wife run onto the soccer field and in distress. I'm like, come on, man. I, I did not want to see that. I really did not want to see that. And to see Kasper Schmeichel and... Oh, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. But thinking about Kasper Schmeichel and Simon Kasher having to console her reminded me a lot of how people console my mother when my father passed away. So all these things to me, it was like, I didn't want to see that. I'm not complaining, but people did bring up very good questions online saying, do we need to see this? We don't have to see this. Can we put the cameras the other way? We don't mind looking at the sad fans because that's how we feel, but we don't want to see his distressed family. We don't want to see, you know, his body being CPR'd on the floor. Like, I don't, I don't want to see that. Not because I'm a, I'm not because I'm some weak, sensitive bitch or anything like that. It's just, you know, these are traumatic things. This is real life. And if you're someone who's had if you had a loved one passed away you understand what that feels and there's certain things that i'd rather not see all the time and also christian erickson is i've always highly rated him i thought he's a not only is a great player i he seems like a great individual like when you see the tottenham documentary all or nothing he is in it and then he gets uh, traded to inter milan you get the sense that people in the club genuinely love him as a person and then after that incident, the international reaction towards Christian Eriksen was amazing. Everyone started talking about it. Everyone was supporting him. All his current and former teammates were doing gestures in support of him. When Lukaku scored against Russia, he said, Chris, Chris, I love you. Amazing. When Tonung Min scored against Lebanon for the uh, World Cup qualifiers, he put up two and three with his fingers because that was his number in Tottenham, number 23. Same thing with Ashraf Hakimi for Morocco. When he scored, he did a similar suggestion, uh, similar gesture. Yesterday, Netherlands, when Netherlands were playing um, the Ukraine, by the way, amazing game of Ukraine, uh, Netherlands versus Ukraine, an incredible game for those who haven't seen it. I recommend you go watch that game. But at some point, Daley Blind, one of the defenders of Netherlands, was being subbed off. And he was very emotional, crying as he subbed off. And the reason why he later stayed in a press conference was he had a heart attack on the field. He had a very similar situation happen to him. And it took. he said, it took a great mental strength to convince myself to play that game. And I can only, under, I can only be empathetic to what he's gone through. It's like, man, that, that's difficult. And this brings me to another issue. They continued the Denmark-Finland game after their fucking best player gets a heart attack on the field. How do you expect anyone to play after that? It's it's. I watched the end of that game, Finland versus Denmark. It just didn't feel right. It did not feel right. The Danish, they did try, but like the mental game, you could tell it's just been, it's not there. And how could you expect them to go above and beyond and play as if nothing happened? It's like, yo, we're all humans. We all feel. And Christian Eriksen is like, everyone's best friend and on the team so it's it's a shocking thing to see and apparently they were given three options it's either you continue on the game after christian erickson leaves and gets into the hospital which he did and he's stable and he's fine and apparently he's now talking so christian erickson seems to be fine and let's hope he continues to stay strong and get better and get healthier and, and i hope to see him play again but anyway the danish team were given three options either continue playing the game finish the last 50 minutes of the game the next day or forfeit the match and uh, the rules of FIFA is that when you forfeit a match it's an automatic 3-0 loss to you as competitors you don't want to lose so forfeits out of the table that's ridiculous to continue playing on the same day 
no like now you our hands are tied and you're asking us to continue playing after what just happened like that's it's 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 too much i don't understand but at the end of the day it's show business when you see this it reminds you that this is all show business baby that's all it is that the show must go on you the game must go on they cannot refund tickets to the fans because that's cost too much money there's a million reasons why they had to continue playing. But for me, it's obvious. It's a show business. You got to finish the game. Anyway, so I kind of went off tangent because I was supposed to talk about Parkin Stadium. I wanted to talk about the venue, Parkin Stadium. But I don't think it matters anymore. After everything I just said about Christian Eriksen, I care more about that right now. But if you don't know about Parkin Stadium, <laughs> it's really there's really not much to talk about. I mean, the one fun fact about it is that it has four out of five stars on Google. Someone's been rating the stadium. <laughs> um, I just find it funny to rate certain stadiums. Uh, but anyway, um, it has a the capacity of parking stadiums thirty eight thousand, but apparently it was able to hold sixty thousand in nineteen ninety seven for a Michael Jackson concert. So that's a fun fact. It's home to FC Copenhagen, great club, thirteen league titles, eight cups. But even, you know, I'm going back to soccer and I just, it feels wrong to even just go back to my original script of talking about the stadium when I just talked about Christian Eriksen. He's fine. We can all move on. We're all good. Life mo- life goes on, as Tupac once said. But to me, the takeaway I got, all, I got of all this is that seeing how the Danish team came around Christian Eriksen, to me, that was the law of Jante. You know, it's, it was about the team. Yes, Christian Eriksen's on the floor, and it's really about him at this moment to make sure that he doesn't, you know, die. You really got a sense that the entire nation came together. And what was amazing is that apparently the coach said that when he went to go see Christian Eriksen at the hospital, Eriksen was like, I'm fine, but is the team okay? He's like, I was only thinking about the team when I was here, which I'm like, this, that's a rule of, that isn't that the law of Jante? He's not even thinking about himself. He's thinking about the team and making sure that they're okay. How can you not love soccer when moments like this, you know? As they say in baseball, how can you not be a romantic with baseball? Anyway, this got emotional for me, surprisingly. Um, and yeah, but it was an emotional time. It was scary. But all this to say, I don't know how to end this properly, so I'm just going to end it here. <laughs> uh, next episode, Scotland. I'll talk a lot about my personal experience of visiting Scotland, what it's like, and my impression of Scottish people. And this was a scary moment, but this is this was a very rare moment with Christian Eriksen collapsing. And the Euros, I got to say, right now, every game has been very exciting, very fun to watch. Uh, a lot of surprises. Well, not really, but like a lot. it was a lot of fun. Like I said, check out the Netherlands-Ukraine game. Amazing. Oh, and one last thing. Uh, so the game continued. Finland continued playing Denmark, and Finland finally won the game 1-0. But it just it didn't feel right. I think a lot of people agreed it just didn't feel right. But it is what it is. Finland got three points. And for Finland, it's a big moment because Denmark is a superpower and Finland's not. So if you want to see it objectively, it's a big moment for them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being an audience. Make sure to follow follow Soccer Pilgrim on Instagram. Follow You can follow my personal account, Jason underscore Jisoo, at Instagram as well. And for this Euro, I'll be doing 11 episodes, so it might be two episodes a week. Stay tuned, and thank you for being an audience. From Montreal, my name is Jason Kim, and this is Soccer Pilgrim. <laughs>